Some of you may remember, I don't know if you do, but you may remember a uh, musician, a vocal uh, musician, an artist by the name of Steve Green. And he traveled around extensively. He still has a ministry that you can follow and be blessed by his ministry. But he wrote one song called, People Need the Lord. And he wrote that song while in the middle of a cafe. And he saw the hustle and the bustle of the people all around him. And he was struck by this convincing and convicting thought from the Lord. These people need God. Every person you meet needs Jesus. Every person in this room needs the salvation that only God can bring. And so the first point of the message today is why do the people of the world and the United States and Arkansas and Faulkner County and Bologna and why at Liberty Church, why do we need the Lord? Well, we read it right there in Jeremiah. We need the Lord because if we trust in ourselves. If we trust in our own mind, in our own intellect, in our own cleverness, our own resources, if you draw strength from mere flesh, then your heart will turn away from the Lord, and that person, verse 6, will be like a bush in the wasteland, will not see prosperity when it comes, we will not overcome. The reason that we need the Lord, I want to kind of go through a list, and it's a hard list to hear, especially with with our children in here today. It's kind of a hard list for us to come to grips with and wrestle with, but I want you to understand the reason we need the Lord is because right here in Faulkner County, there's been murder. In Faulkner County, there's been thieving and lying and cheating. There's been broken relationships and there's fractured families and there's divorces and there's immorality and there's, and there's drunkenness and gluttony and drug addiction and, and there's gossip and slander and divisiveness and there's negativity right here. And I don't mean like, well, only in that one little pocket over there that, that, that doesn't really affect us. I mean the people that we go to work with and we go to school with, they face this stuff. You and I have faced these types of things, either our own sin or the consequences of other people's sin near us. The reason we need the Lord is because there is hopelessness, there's loneliness, there's depression, and there is despair right here in our county. Right here at home. The reason we need the Lord is because people are busy and tired and anxious and stressed because there's suicide that's present in our county, in our city, in our lives. There's people who are going hungry and not getting rest and they're facing unhealth and dis-ease or disease. They're facing these things and that's why we need the Lord because He's the answer and He's the supply and He's the provider and He's the redeemer of all of our needs. He is able to take care of us. People in our county are going hungry. They don't have enough food. Guilt and shame are weights and shackles around people's necks. And you may look somebody in the eye and they may smile. And they may say, oh, it's good to see you. And you say, how's life going? Like, yeah, it's going great. And then they may go home and they may have grief that you have no idea about. And they may feel like they are the only one that could possibly understand what's going on. And yet even they are at the end of their rope. This is why we need the Lord. Because the Lord is the answer to all of these things. We need the Lord right here at home in our church and in our city and our community because the people we see and talk to every day, there are people that we see and talk to every day, listen carefully, that unless they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they're headed for an eternity apart from God. That motivates me greatly because I think about people in my family or in my sphere of influence that they don't know Jesus. 
Maybe they don't even care to know him. There's a guy that I actually watch sometimes on YouTube. He's an outspoken atheist. He's angry. He gives all the reasons why we don't need God. We don't need to talk to God. God can't be real. He's angry. He's hurt. I don't know what's going on in his life, but he's not presenting some kind of a factual reasoning. He's lashing out in his life because he needs God's love and God's acceptance and God's salvation. And he may not even realize it. And he may think that he's actually walking in a higher level of existence than all of us. And yet I can see that he's got pain in his life. He needs the Lord. We need the Lord. We need to be praying for the people around us. We need to be praying for the people in our families and in our classrooms and in our workplace because people need the Lord. Because it says there in Jeremiah that we are blessed if we trust the Lord. And he brings prosperity and he helps our our lives to go down like roots deep in so that even when there's scarcity in the land. Even if there's a famine, even if there seems to be very little going on during this hard time, he says, even then you're going to still have fruit. Even then you're still going to make it through because you've got these deep roots in Jesus Christ who is able to sustain us and to bring us through. So just like there is an answer to the deaths from preventable causes that I talked about earlier, whether it's eating a berry you shouldn't eat or needing to get the orange juice that you need to get. Those are preventable type things once you know. The reason we need the Lord is because once we realize all of the depths of sin and despair in our lives and in the lives of people around us, we recognize God is the answer for it. Every single thing we face, God is the answer. One of my friends in Texas, he was, he was angry at me one time, very angry. He was very angry at God. His parents had been married for about 25 years at that point, and they said, you know, we're, we're getting a divorce. We're done. And he was very hurt by it. That's his mom and dad, and they couldn't, they couldn't make it work. And he was crushed, and we went to the altar, and we prayed in the prayer room in the middle of the week. It wasn't a Sunday. It wasn't a Wednesday. There wasn't anything going on at church. We just, we just went to the prayer room. We knelt down at the altar, and we prayed. And I, and I looked over, and I and talked to my friend, and I said, you know, God is going to be there for you and for them through this. I don't know what God's going to do, but I know he's going to do something good. He's going to help you. And you just seek God, and he is the answer. And he got mad at me. And he said, you think God is the answer for everything. Sometimes it's not about God. And we stayed and we talked. And then we talked for the next weeks, months, and years Because he really recognized that God is the answer for everything, but in the middle of his pain, he lashed out, lashed out at me, lashed out at God, because he didn't understand. That doesn't mean God doesn't have the answer. It means for some reason we can't see it. We don't understand why God's doing what he's doing. We don't understand why people are doing what they're doing. But here's what we know. We need God, and God has the answer to all of our problems. Also, I want you to know There is no other answer for all of our problems apart from the salvation of Jesus Christ. In the coming weeks, I'm going to talk to you about evangelism. We're going to talk about reaching the lost and evangelizing. And And I'm reading up on the state of religion in Europe, studying. And is it, it's interesting that there are people right now who are saying that in Europe, they don't need God in order to have morality. They said, we're doing just fine without God, and we'll do better when we get rid of God and the church from everything in our lives. 
And they're in ignorance and chosen ignorance, pretending that the facts about drug abuse and the facts about a licentious lifestyle and the effects of that immorality and the reduction in their, in their age of living and in their happiness in life and their fulfillment, all the while, while the church and evangelism is declining in Europe, so are all of those those moral conditions, they're actually declining in, in the effects in people's lives while sin and crime and those types of things are ramping up. And yet they're trying to say, we don't need God. We're doing just fine without Him. Because they're trying to ignore the things in front of them in order to defy and push back against God. So the question, point number two, if God is the answer for every one of our problems, and He indeed is, and He does provide that, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you personally know that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior? Not just one time at VBS when you were a kid, not just one time at that revival service years ago or at your baptism, but today, right now, when, when I'm baptizing people, I, I ask them this question, do you right now know that Jesus Christ saves you? I may ask them that in preparation for it. I may ask them right here, right before we get ready to go with the ceremony. But do you right now know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? That's the question for this, this second point here this morning. Acts 2.21 says, It shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We follow that up with one from Revelation, which is Jesus standing at the door and knocking and saying, if you hear my voice, let me come in. Right? If you hear my voice, let me come in and I'll dine with you and I'll, I'll have a relationship with you. And I love where John 1 talks about the fact that if you and I will believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we will become children of God. Tonight we're going to talk about entering into the throne room of a king. It's a different thing when you enter into the throne room of a king as the son or daughter of a king than if you enter into the throne room of a king as merely a servant or even as an enemy. It's a very different thing. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where he says, I will make you to be a child of my Father in heaven. You will be a, a son or a daughter of God. So salvation, I want you to hear this, maybe write it down. Salvation is a personal relationship with God where we speak directly to Him. And we, ta- we confess uh, our needs, we confess our faults, we confess and admit all the ways that we absolutely have to have God to come in and help us to take over and work things out according to His perfect plan and His free gift of forgiveness. So a personal relationship with Christ is a lot like a relationship you might have with anybody else, right? So if you have a relationship with anybody else, then you're going to know that that person's real, and you're going to introduce yourself to that person. Hey, how are you? My name is. What's your name? And then you get to talking about life. And you know the things I like to do? What do you like to do? Where do you work? Well, this is where I work. Well, with the Lord, it's the same way. Jesus, you know, you already know me because well, you're God, but, but my name is and I got a lot of problems in my life, or I see a lot of problems in the, in the, in the world around me, and I just want to talk to you about those. And, and you have to talk and listen to each other. Right? I, I saw something this week, I thought it was kind of humorous, but it, it helps us a little bit here. And it was a husband and wife, they were talking, he had come home from work, 
and uh, he was putting down his paper, and he was uh, putting down his, his briefcase, and, and she was saying some things, and, and all of a sudden, then she said, <clears throat> and what do you think of that? And he said to himself, well, now that's a really weird way to start a conversation. Well, because she'd been talking for multiple minutes at that point, and he didn't have any clue what she said. Well, that's a weird way to start a conversation. No, he just finally tuned in at the very end of the sentence. Sometimes we finally tune in at the end of the conversation, and sometimes you're just a bad listener, right? Have you ever been there? have no idea what they just said. What am I supposed to say back? Were they, did they ask me a question? What am I supposed to say? With God, he wants to have a personal relationship where we talk to him and we listen. And we listen and then we talk. And we hear what he has to say. We put it into practice in our life. A relationship with Jesus Christ, it's, it's like a relationship we would have with another person in this regard that, that we spend time together sharing what's important to us. Right? This, God, this is what's important to me. And he says, I hear you. I'm glad that you shared that with me. And this is what's important to me. And we share those things. And we have common experiences together. You know, I love going home for Christmas and making new memories I've got a few friends, and every now and again we'll, we'll talk about all the things we used to do together, but we don't ever do anything new together. Well, I want to have new experiences and new time spent laughing and, and getting to know each other and enjoying each other's company. That's what God wants with us in a personal relationship. And so I want you to imagine with me, is your relationship with God more like one of these things? Number one, is it more like a transaction when you go to a bank or you go to a retailer and, and you say and do your part, like you give them the deposit slip or you, or you pay for your purchase and they give you the bag, you know? Is that what your relationship with God is like where you give him something and he gives you something, you go on your way and you don't really see him again for another week? Like, hey, see you in a week. Or is your relationship with God perhaps more like this? An encounter with, this is something I want you to think very carefully about, is it an encounter with a rich, popular, or wise person that you're trying to impress so that you can have some share of their wealth or their wisdom or their popularity? Is that what your relationship with God is like? Are you doing a transaction with God where you show up once a week and give him something and try to get something back? Are you trying to impress him so he'll just give you a little bit of his wealth and wisdom? Or perhaps number three, is your relationship with God more of an interaction with a stranger? You ever walk into somebody and they're like, hey, how are you? And you know that you don't know them from Adam. They think they know you. And you're like, I don't know who you are, but you just kind of keep talking to them. Is it more like that where you have a conversation with a stranger? They, they seem to know you, but you're uncomfortable with them. You don't know them, and you're not going to admit anything personal to them. Like, yeah, yeah, it's good seeing you today. Have a good day. I don't know who that guy is. Is that what your relationship with God is like, where he knows you, but you don't know him? He's a stranger? Or perhaps your relationship with God is a glimpse of your enemy or someone you're afraid of that you hope won't see you. You ever been in the grocery store, see somebody, and you're like, man, I hope they don't see me. Maybe if I duck down this aisle, they won't see me. Oh, i got to get out of here quickly. If they see me, goodness gracious. Is that what your relationship with God is like, where you kind of want to duck and hide and hope they don't see you? Or is your relationship with God like a union of best friends? 
oh, I can't wait to get together with them. We're going to have new experiences and new memories and, and we're going to share everything that went on this week and they're going to hear my pain and my frustrations and they're going to share with me the answer to those things. Which one of those relationships is yours with God? Because he wants it to be a personal relationship of love and trust and of union where you say, God, I'm so glad we got together. Can we do this again tomorrow? One of my favorite lines in any Christian song anywhere, I think it's Nicole C. Mullen, and she's at the very end of her song, if you listen, and she talks about the fact that she knows that God's there because she says, I spoke with him this morning. One of my favorite songs anywhere, lines in any song anywhere, because I think how true it is. A relationship with God is not with a stranger. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be with an enemy. It shouldn't be a transaction. It shouldn't be about impressing. It should be about, I get this beautiful relationship. He's my father, and I'm his child. He's my savior, and I'm the redeemed. Point number three. God is willing to provide for and actually be the answer for everything in your life. This isn't about me being a Bible thumper, Jesus freak, religious nut, where I'm just, oh, he's just so obsessed. He can't get with the real world. No, this is about truth, because though truth will set you free, God is willing to provide for and be the answer for every problem you have. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, what has become of all your problems? We're going to talk about that second part in a minute. The first part, God wants to provide for and be an answer to every problem. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We know that he's provided a way for you and me to have eternal life. Praise the Lord. Right? He's provided a way for us to walk in peace and in freedom. He's provided a way for us to have a relationship with God where we can just trust him completely and he'll provide for us all things. We also know Luke 18, 27, where Jesus said, What is impossible with men is possible with God. What has become of all your problems if you're still wrestling with them of your own strength, of your own wisdom, of your own experience? Why? Why are you doing that? When he says, nothing's impossible with God, give it to God. Come near to me and I'll come near to you. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I know for a fact that in my life when I'm walking around with a bad attitude, I'm walking around discouraged, I'm walking around saying, woe is me, I know for a fact that I'm not receiving from the Lord. Because he is constantly availing to me and to you his peace. He's constantly availing his comfort, his strength, his provision. And if I'm walking around saying, woe is me, there's no way to get through the day. I can't make it. I know it's that I'm ignoring something that God has for me. Because if I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that my problems are gone, but it means that in him there is a way through them. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, think, or ask or think according to the power that works in us. Where are my problems? Well, guess what? In this life, there's going to be problems. But God is there with us and in us if we are his children. He is supplying his power and his strength inside of us at all times. 
God's answer for all the problems is this relationship with Him of trust and obedience and surrender. Christians have problems too, but if you're a born-again believer, you have the power of God within you to face those problems. Final point this morning, and this is kind of where we'll see how this applies to the prayer revival this week and the evangelism series that's coming up on Sunday mornings. When you and I have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, you and I will be invited by God, drawn in by His love, and commanded to both pray and evangelize. To both talk to Him about our lives and talk to Him about the needs of our lives and the people around us, but also evangelize and tell other people about who He is. Because in prayer, you and I will enter into that personal relationship with Jesus. Right? If you don't have prayer with God, it's like you're not having any conversation with your spouse. If you don't pray to God, it's like ignoring your children that live under the roof of your house. If you don't pray to God, it'd be the exact same thing as going to work every day and blocking out your boss or your coworkers. Because prayer is communication. It's relationship. It's about saying, I'm here to be a part of your life and you be a part of my life, but we're saying it to God. And that's what prayer is. And so if we are born again, We've got to pray. We've got to be compelled to pray. Furthermore, we maintain that relationship. So we enter into a relationship with prayer, but we maintain that relationship through prayer. Anna and I were married about five years when we looked around and said, somewhere along the way we forgot to go on dates anymore. We forgot about romance. We forgot about, you know, a card or, or flowers or little gifts. And, and we'd been married five years something to do with having a brand new baby you know that that complicates things but we made a concerted effort to say we don't want to lose that romance so we're going to go on a date and we're going to write each other some letters and cards and we're going to get each other some gifts with god prayer is how we enter into the relationship and prayer is how we maintain the relationship how we maintain the romance and so if you have not been able to hold on a conversation with god past that point of saying become my savior then your relationship is weak at best and strained for sure the third part of this about prayer is that through prayer god shapes and forms and matures and transforms and sources us He shapes, and he forms, and he transforms, and he sources us through prayer. If we're not praying, likelihood is is that we're carrying a whole lot of stuff on our shoulders we don't need to be carrying. If we're not praying, likelihood is is that we've got more frowns on our face than God ever intended for us to have. Because when we pray, he sources us with joy. And when we pray, he says, I'm going to lift that burden and strengthen you. And when we pray, he says, I'm going to transform you so that you're not so negative. Negativity is a curse on our generation and it's a curse of selfishness and it's a curse of complaining which is the language of the enemy and God wants to set us free from that and he does it through his salvation and he does it through ongoing prayer. Well, the second part about evangelism. I'm going to talk to you next week about what what happens when a church dies or what happens when a church doesn't evangelize. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to look at some facts. We're going to look at some scriptures. But I want you to think about it on the positive side of things, not just the negative. And that is that when we have Jesus Christ in our heart and our life, we know we want to share that joy with other people. We want to tell other people. I can't wait to tell somebody when I find a new restaurant that's good. It's good food. It's fast service. It's clean. It's bright. You've got to go there. 
why don't we get that excited about what Jesus has done to forgive us of our sins and give us a new heart and life in, in Him? Unless maybe our, our walk with Christ is kind of lethargic. We know that when, when we get born again, then we know that God has chosen the church to bring the gospel into the world. And if the church does not bring the gospel into the world, what will happen to the world? Without evangelism, think about this, evil will prevail, evil will advance on unsuspecting people who have been blinded to the knowledge of the truth by the God of this age. But when we are born again and our relationship with Jesus Christ is alive and flowing and active, then we want to pray and we want to talk to our Savior and we want to receive from Him and we want to evangelize and tell everybody else what they can receive also. Sometimes <clears throat> I'm in my office or I'm in here praying or maybe I'm driving down the road praying and it's, it hits me almost like a wave where I'm like, Lord, bring somebody along my path who has lots of problems. Lots of problems in their life because I can't wait to tell them what you will do to help them with those problems and to pray with them so they'll be free. And I say, Lord, send them so I can help them and you can help them. God wants to do that in our lives. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, he says, Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. I have to preach it. How can I not preach the gospel? We're going <clears> to <throat> watch a video and this is going to be a time of response to the Lord. You can respond where you're at. Or you can come forward and pray. Because here's the thing. <clears throat> if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right now's the day, right now's the time to make sure that you know that you are going to heaven. To say, God, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Come and live in me. Be my Lord and be my Savior. If you don't know that, I want you to know that. Be on a shadow of a doubt right here, right now. But then secondly, if you've got other problems that you're carrying that you're not supposed to be carrying, God says, I've got that answer. If you're angry, if you've got relationship issues, if you've got money issues, you've got health issues, the problems of this life, he says, I've got the answer. Come to me. Or maybe you may be saying, I haven't told anybody about Jesus, and I want to pray about that. So let's watch and listen to this song. Let it be our response to the Lord, and then let's pray together.